You are listening to Sound Sugar Radio, and the program is called Four Color Radio. This is the Nick Winter Show, and I do the entertaining. Thank you. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. Ah, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. Don't let them in. about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars! Those here in Star Wars! My seventh winner up here! Star well, we won't quite get into the EEE yet, but we'll just end off with a little bit of uh, Nick there um, bringing us the intro, an unusual intro to tonight's episode of Four Color Radio. My name is Jay. I'm your host. Thank you so much for coming out. And as mentioned, we are broadcasting live on the Sound Sugar Radio Network, uh, coming to you from Origin Rose Studio. Uh, and we must acknowledge that Origin Rose Studio is located on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people, whom without we would not be here this evening. Um, yeah, that's how you start a show. <laughs> Apparently, a little bit different. Hopefully, uh, I know I'm usually I'm I'm down a normal listener tonight. Hopefully, uh, we won't be down too many more after that intro. But uh, uh, we will. Uh, uh, are we getting the? Uh, are we getting the pop? Uh, no way, really. I ran a test ahead of times. Sorry, there's some people in the uh, chat room filling me in. So give us just a hot second here, folks. And we'll try to do a quick reset and see if we can come right back. Hold on a sec. And we're back. Hopefully, everything sounds a little bit better now. And if it's not, uh, hopefully people out there can let us know. Um, thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks very much for helping us out. And we're going to get uh, back into the show here. <laughs> the show tonight, that's better. Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting us know. Perfect. Um, my name is Jay. It's Four Color Radio. I feel like I should start over, even though it was a brief uh, break in there. And I'm here tonight with a, uh, a special guest, um, and, and not just because he's a buddy of mine, and we kind of go back to the early days, well, some early days for us anyway, of trade shows in Edmonton and stuff like that. Um, but my guest is probably the foremost preeminent authority on tonight's topic, which is Star Wars. I don't know anyone who knows as much or has as much or has as much experience in the realm uh, as my guest Shane Churjan. So Shane, thanks for making some time and coming out tonight, man. I am so excited to be here. <coughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be an interesting show for people, and uh, and I hope... I hope, <laughs> I have a new hope, that somehow we can make it all, uh, uh, everyone will enjoy it as much as we do. I know I had to, kind of had to, I shouldn't really say had to, but uh, I listened to all the music that you selected for this evening ahead of time, and um, you guys think it's the turntable, eh? All right, let me see what we can do. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll disconnect the turntable, because that 
might be a thing. Um, <clears throat> in the meantime, we're going to try to fill in a little bit here. Um, I totally lost my train of thought, Shane. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we're having technical glitch glitches, and we're so uh, we're so backed up here. I, I listened to all the music that you selected for us uh, tonight, and it was it was kind of a trip because um, I mean, it's not just. Like we're we're gonna listen to the music from Star Wars because that's probably what people expect when Shane Turgeon's on a show about music. I figured that would be the way to go. Yeah. So what I like is how you kind of you kind of curved it up a little bit. I did. I wanted to do something that was totally outside the box and uh, you know provide something that you know yeah sure we could have listened to the Star Wars soundtracks but everybody's heard the Star Wars soundtracks. Uh, so. I figured we'd do something that was a little bit weird and a little bit different, and I'm really excited about the stuff that we've put together for tonight. This chord is very well. <laughs> we are we are working to eliminate the popping and crackling. If you guys are, uh, yeah, <clears throat> we're gonna see if that one and the second one would just be the thing. All right, we are going to uh, we're gonna give it one more quick little reset. And we're going to see if that is going to take care of it. Because we want you folks to enjoy the quality. Shane went out of his way to get a whole bunch of folks to listen to the show tonight. And, uh, and I'm crapping the bed here with some like really poor technical stuff. It's just the technology. We live in a world where it kills <laughs> us at the time that it's not supposed to kill us. That's exactly right. All right, folks, we're going to take, we're going to do one more quick reset and see if we can come back and make this work. So hang tight for just a moment. Chance for a taco burp now that. Oh, hang on. <laughs> I just went live. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> we are here. Um, we're going to clean a lot of this up in post <laughs> for right now. That part in case <laughs> it went through too. <laughs> folks, please enjoy our idiocy. Um, we are monitoring the live chat room. So, folks, if you are hearing any more disruptions, please feel free to let us know. Um, Oh, this is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. It is uh, <laughs> and weird. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we we've really we've really accomplished nothing in uh, <laughs> ten minutes that we've been on the air, other than we heard a great little SNL skit from Bill Murray uh, introducing us to those wild and crazy creatures in the cantina and his, his frightening exposure to Darth Vader. Um, what is it, Shane? That that drives your passion for Star Wars. What, like, I mean, what got you sucked into it, and what wanted made you take it to the level? Because you've got crazy stuff. You've got prototypes. You've got sketch drawings of uh, characters and stuff that no one will ever see. Um, what, what is it about Star Wars that brought you to that point? You know, it's it, it was such a game-changing thing for so many of us in the 70s and 80s you know i was born in 77 the year that star wars came out so it was like you know it was literally birthed into into me you know i think those of us who were born in that era yeah um and i just have such fond memories of uh you know i remember seeing the empire strikes back when i was maybe two and a half three years old my mom took me i thought i fell asleep but she was like no i fell asleep you sat there with your <laughs> mouth open the whole time watching and clearly it had some sort of impact that i'm not even sure if i can uh really quantify what it is in words yeah it's it, it just something that never went away you right. know i started uh 
I kind of rediscovered it in uh, 1991 with the Zon novel, the, the Zon novels. And then that's when I started collecting was in 91. Um, and really, you know, as the years went on, I first started building a local community around it and then built this huge international community um, through all of the Star Wars tattoo stuff that I sort of started help uh, help cultivate in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And uh, through the collecting world that I met all, all of my, you know, international friends through. And, I, and I've literally traveled the world yeah. um, oh, because yeah. of this. Yeah, um, and I've seen so much of your stuff and... I've seen what you've done, the people that you've met, the things that you've put together, your Force in the Flesh books. Um, you're, you know, you've done panels at Celebration. Like, Yeah, I've, I've traveled the world. I've spoken at the Lucasfilm conventions. I've gone to Skywalker Ranch more times than I can remember. I've, you know, I, I've done so much in that world. Um, and really the essence of it was because of the community, because of the community that Star Wars brings together globally yeah. um, is what kind of fueled it and kept me going for so long with it. It was just, it's such a wonderful group to be a part of. Well, and it clearly resonates with a lot of people as we're about to hear, because we're going to start off the show's music um, <clears throat> with a mixture of uh, songs that are probably going to be a little unexpected to the audience, um, but they are connected with some very, very formidable talent across multiple music genres. Uh, and um, <laughs> and as we heard a little bit just coming off of the, the beginning of the show there, we're going to kick it off with some Ewoks. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to start with uh, the theme from the Ewoks. Uh, we're going to plow into the theme from uh, the Droids show right after that. And then we're going to close it off with a little musical number for our, more for R2-D2 than from R2-D2. Yeah, it's definitely an, 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 an ode an to ode R2-D2. R2-D2. Uh, so we're going to kick this off for you folks, and then we're going to come back, talk a little bit more with my guest here, Shane Turgeon, about you know what makes all this music so special, and, uh, and find out a little bit more about what makes it tick for him. So uh, thanks for listening to Four Color Radio, and uh, here is your first dose of some Star Wars. We are the E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-
Artu, where are you? Oh, there you are. Well, if you come over here, you'll find a wonderful surprise. You'll have to plug into the central computer to hear what it is. That's right. No, it's not a phase vector. It's your Christmas present. At the winter star, we know that's where you are. Our chimney's big and round, so you can come right down. And if our wish comes true, we'll spend Christmas Eve with you. Our hearts will sing with glee as we decorate the Christmas tree. Quaver converter isn't complete yet. It isn't finished. Lock in your circuits again quickly. Folks, your ears are not deceiving you. It's not quite Christmas, but it's Christmas in our Star Warsian hearts uh, all year long, thanks to my guest Shane Jershon. And that trio of songs, the last song we heard was our two, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, um, as it was leaked uh, in the chat room. That is the uh, first professional recording of Mr. John Bon Jovi. 16 years old, John 16. Bon Jovi. Just rocking it out. Made his, his <laughs> professional debut. How, like, you you were saying off while we were listening to the song off air that you listen to this every Christmas. Is it because of John or is it because more of the Star Wars? <laughs> well, so a, a little secret for people who really know me only know is like, I love Bon Jovi. Hey. 
It's like unabashedly, I am a ripping Bon Jovi fan. Okay, that's, um, that's fine. The rock so, and roll, Jersey rock man, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit of both for me. You know, it's like I get to have that Christmas tradition that I started in my twenties <laughs> by listening to that record. But it's like, yeah, I also get to rock out to some some Bon Jovi. <laughs> then what? I guess if, if it makes you happy, that's that's. What, it makes me. You saw the smile on you my were, face. You as were, this was playing. You <laughs> were singing along and you were smiling and you were very happy. I'm very <laughs> happy right now. You know, like the lyrics and that song are so hilariously like on point i just like oh we'll if you will warm your little wires by the fire <laughs> like it's it's so good it's man. ridiculous <laughs> and it's in you're right like if you listen like you can hear john's voice in there i mean he's 16 his first recording he's obviously a kid is his he's not shooting eight octaves up um like he is in some songs it's very measured right but it's there it's there it's there and especially in the chorus i think that's when you can really tell that like yeah that's that's totally yeah. john bon jovi he's halfway there he's half yeah, <laughs> sorry had to do it um before that though there, there we listened to the theme song from the droids apparently there are people in the chat room who are not happy about that they're wrong but if they listen closely musically they might be able to pick out a particular style which is why you chose this song. Yes, indeed. Yeah, because it was it was composed by Stuart Copeland of The Police. Yeah, and if you, you really pick it, like you just listen. It's like, yeah, you, you can feel that groove. There are some serious there. police vibes in, yeah. in that in that track. And it's it's got like it's it's if you listen to it again, which you can do on Disney Plus, because the droids and Ewoks <laughs> cartoons are on Disney Plus now. You know, when I when I originally picked these as like oh you know that's not as obscure as it used to be because it's right. on there but on the flip side i'm not sure how many people are actually watching those on disney plus uh <laughs> other than myself because i absolutely love those cartoons <laughs> and kicking that off uh we had the ewoks cartoon theme uh which also has a very significant musical influence as well that again totally caught me by surprise but i'm not as uh, I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars. So, I mean, the Ewoks cartoon, I was too old for that when, by the time it came out. So it wasn't on my radar and it didn't stick with it. But yeah, when you put this on the list and told me who sang it, I was like, seriously? Like how does, and this shows how much Star Wars transcends everybody. Everything. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the Ewoks cartoon theme. So that was recorded by blues legend Taj Mahal. That's crazy. Which is what's even crazier is that both of those cartoons, what people might not know, were actually produced in Canada. So they were produced by Nelvana, the you know famous, famous yeah. Canadian animation house that yeah. did so much stuff. They produced the Droids and Ewoks cartoons as well. Um, so you know to have that Canadian connection with that blues connection and that police connection, you know, from the UK, it's it's really interesting how it's very global. It's super global how everything <laughs> came together to make those you know th those cartoons work. Uh, that is, yeah, that's pretty wild. I can't. I, I mean, while Star Wars was massive, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that um, later in the show. So I mean, obviously, its its reach and influence just hit every corner and i don't think you know lucas was you know a nobody at that after that like he had a little bit i because he, he was working his way up for sure and had a bit of a name but i mean star wars was like off the charts yeah i mean american graffiti sort of made him a little bit of a of a household name yeah but star wars just blew it wide open yeah. um and, you know and so 
1978, there was the Star Wars holiday special, which people um, erroneously think was played at Christmas time. It was actually played at American Thanksgiving of 1978. Oh. Um, and the holiday special featured a short animated clip in it that introduced Boba Fett. And that animated clip was also done by Nelvana. So oh. that's how they were, you know, in that Lucasfilm wheelhouse yeah. um, from 1978 to 1985, they went back to, to Lucasfilm to, or to Nelvana to do those cartoons. Yeah. And there was no Pixar at the time. So. There was no Pixar. <laughs> so and, and we got I'm, what we got back in the eighties. I'm sure <laughs> Nelvana was much cheaper to work with than some of the other, you know, animation so houses in America at the time. Um, all right. Continuing on with some musical influences, we're going to shift gears musically a little bit. Um, we're going to try to transition out of the, uh, the theme songs and we're going to move into some like music music. Um, but there's, there's, there's weird bridging here. There's, there's weird also bridging. some weird bridging that we can, <laughs> that we can tie it all together. So, all right. So we're going to, um, we're going to talk about an artist named, uh, sorry, was it Miko? Miko Minardo. Miko Minardo. Yeah. Who is, I don't even know how to describe his music once I kind of got down there. I mean, it was obviously disco influenced, but it's, um, it's dance, it's, uh, electronic, even before there was kind of electronic, cause we're going back again into the, uh, late seventies, early eighties. Um, so what's Miko's deal? <laughs> so Miko was, uh, you know, he, I, I actually did a, uh, an interview with Miko several yeah. years ago when I uh, was working for theforce.net and rebelscum.com. And uh, so I sat down with him and it was a very interesting interview. He's, uh, he's very into himself. And, and I reread the interview the other day and it, it comes across that he's very into himself. But uh, <laughs> he ended up, uh, he was a classical musician and he ended up in New York and discovered, he, to, you know, working as a studio musician, a session musician, stuff like that, playing the trombone, yeah. ended up as in producing and ended up producing disco and became this huge disco producer. Now mm -hmm. here's where it ties in. So uh, his partner or the, one of the people he worked with the most was Tony Bon Giovanni, okay. which is John Bon Jovi's <laughs> uncle. Okay. Um, or older cousin or uncle, one or the other. I can't, can't, quite, can't quite remember. Right. And they had, he had a studio called The Power Plant. Um, so Christmas in the Stars is actually produced by Miko Monardo. Um, and that's how Bon Jovi ended up on it. He was working sweeping the floors at the power plant. Um, <laughs> the power plant became this huge. Um, yeah, it's a musical machine. Like it churned out so much. Yeah, all, a lot of the big disco artists from that era and from New York City all came through the, the power uh, powerhouse, yeah. power plant. Yeah. Um, and so... For whatever reason, you know, Miko was a huge Star Wars, uh, a huge sci-fi fan, right. went and saw Star Wars the day that it opened and was like, he said, uh, on this third watching the next day, <laughs> he caught the music and he's like, oh, I can, you know, he was so in awe by the, by the, by the visuals that yeah. he didn't, it took him three, four sittings to, to hear the music. Right. And, um, he said, you know, I, I could do something with this. <laughs> so he went out and he produced a bonafide star wars disco record he that did. went to number one <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna play a track from that uh right now it is the uh it's amico's version of the star wars theme uh coupled with uh, a little cantina band music so uh sit back enjoy a little bit more music uh of a different flavor than what you might be used to uh from the the epicness that is star wars 
And that is the producer Miko and his Star Wars Cantina Band music uh, live here on Sound Trigger Radio. My name is Jay. This is Four Color Radio. And we're bringing you the music of Star Wars with my pal Shane Turgeon. Um, if you like that song, uh, it will be on the Four Color Radio song list on Spotify. I do try to like put together as much music as I can into one master list. And if you do listen to that song, you may notice something very interesting that Spotify does. Um, typically there's a little kind of sound bar down at the bottom of the, um, of the screen that kind of controls your time. When you play a Star Wars song, it converts it into a lightsaber. So you actually just watch your lightsaber slowly light up as the song goes along, which means even Spotify is not immune to the nerdity that is Star Wars. It is everywhere. So Miko is making Star Wars, take it to number one. If I'm not mistaken as well, I'm pretty sure it's Miko's Star Wars theme song that that's there that's used in the Muppets episode. Uh, where they have the cast for Star Wars, because I listened to it, and I'm like, this is it. This is the music. And then I went and I watched a bit of the episode. I'm like, it probably is. I mean, it's could be just, I don't think, I mean, Henson would have probably used it, because if it was the thing at the time, they would have just went with it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it very much is there. Funky disco Muppets. That's it. <laughs> and it's a great episode. The whole episode is just them. So good. It's a great episode. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's that exact song, because I'm like, this is this has got to be it. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of fun, but we're going to transition out of that fun, and we're going to move into some other fun. It's It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it, it starts out with the band having a weird name, the Electric Moog Orchestra. Right. Now, are these guys like legit or is this like a parody group or? No, this is legit. So the, okay. the Moog is actually a synthesizer. Synthesizer. Okay. I can't say that word Synth- on the radio, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. It's a synthesizer. Synthesizer. It. It's okay. I it's one you. of those things. <laughs> and, um, so it, it was actually used prominently in the 60s and 70s through a lot of bands um pink right. floyd was really famous for using the moog right um and uh there was you know it, it still continues to be a very popular musical instrument yeah. so apparently these guys were a moog orchestra <laughs> and they put out all kinds of stuff under the the type of the, the name of their band the the electronic moog orchestra <laughs> was there like because in today's day and age, you don't get to make music. You don't get to use someone else's music or replicate it without a whole lot of paperwork. Like, was Lucas cool with a lot of the stuff that was going down? Or did people just do it? I think people just did it. Yeah. You know, like, in, uh, again, <laughs> when I was rereading that interview with Miko, he was talking about how, like, you know, it was it was a lot of it was unauthorized. You know, yeah. by the time Empire came around, it was a different story. Right. But for Star Wars, it was kind of the wild, wild west and people were just making whatever. No one knew it was going to happen or what was going on. So they just did it and then see what happens. And that was it. Um, yeah, I can't, I just can't get over the name, <laughs> the electric Moog orchestra. Right. And I, I get like it, it, it all makes sense in a way, but it just sounds absurd. Absolutely. A Moog orchestra. <laughs> well, let's let's dive into a little bit of Moogness, 
I guess, as we'll call it right now. We got funky with it. Now we're going to get moogie with it. Now we're going to get moogie with it. Let's (laughs) see if uh, Will Smith can make something out of that, getting moogie (laughs) with it. Uh, uh, Again, we're going to, basically, we're going to complement Nico's uh, pairing of the Star Wars theme and some Cantina Band music uh, with uh, a pairing from the Electric Moog Orchestra. We will hear the Star Wars theme and the Cantina Band music here on Four Color Radio.
And that was the Electric Moog Orchestra with the Cantina Band music from the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Just before that was their version of the Star Wars main theme title in all of its Moog glory. It's mooginess. It's very, very, very moogy. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. In the 80s, um, there was a lot of cocaine. And I have... I have to believe that somehow that played a part in this happening. I would, I would think so. I mean, you know, we're talking 77, 78. That was the height of disco cocaine era. So oh. like it was full <laughs> tilt. Yeah. Just to, yeah. To, to make anything. Well, you know, it's, it's uh, a Jurassic park, you know, just, just because you can, no one should, no Doesn't one stop the thing should, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Which, which is probably a great lead into our next song. Oh man! <laughs> now we we have to give props to the fact that um, our next artist, uh, John Rose, is a very renowned and respected musical artist. Hugely, yeah. Uh, and you have decided to introduce us um, to the Hartford Pipe Organ. That's correct. So if you thought we were getting a little weird before. <laughs> We really going down the weird hole now. Going down a weird hole now. <laughs> so this is John Rose, who is a, a great organist and and I'm assuming pianist. Um, and the the great Hartford pipe organ and his rendition of Star Wars. Um, I, I think my favorite thing is the quote <laughs> on the on the album jacket. If, yeah. I think you have it in front of you. I do. Want to give that a read? Yeah. So on on the album ja- jacket cover, it says, "This may well qualify as the most exciting." pipe organ recording i've ever heard i mean how many exciting pipe organ recordings are there in the first we just experienced multiple moogasms and now we're going to roll into the most exciting pipe organ this show is becoming less uh all ages friendly than anticipated shane and we had a conversation about this beforehand that it's, we had to keep it well that follows me wherever i go things also always get a little inappropriate in a thing um this this recording by John Rose was 1977. This is all happening as the movie drops. Like literally the phenomenon sweeps everyone. Everyone. I mean like, you know, church organists are like, <laughs> did you see that Star Wars movie? <laughs> Let's get in on this. Is that how like you're a fan as a kid, you're you're in love, you're immersed, it carries with you through your life when you look back on it now? Like, do you see how much of an impact, like, do you you kind of like appreciate or relate to the impact that it had? And like, obviously, because we can look at it now and we say it's a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry. I I think the impact that it has now is vastly different than the impact that it had then. Um, And I mean, people will often talk about like what was going on culturally um, at the time that made part of what made Star Wars such a big success, obviously right. beyond being such a big movie. But, you know, America was, was a few years out of the Vietnam War. And, you know, think of all the big movies at the time, like Taxi Driver and, and, and all of these things, these, these dark, dark, depressing movies. Yeah. And along comes Star Wars, and it's just like, whoa, everybody woke up. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like you know, and <clears throat> it was just this, this big burst of positivity that rode around the world that I think everyone just wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And, and it was really the f- one of the first things to ever do that. Now it's 
commonplace. Yeah. And, and, you know, now it's the baseline. It's the baseline. <laughs> yeah. and, and, it, and it's almost become passe for something to be that big. Right. Whereas then it was so new yeah. and it was so novel and, and people just like latched onto it as this, like I said, a beacon of positivity at the time, you know, and they just, it went everywhere. When we come back to, uh, after we play a little bit of John Rose's uh, interpretation of Star Wars, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the size of that impact uh, and how it carried over, obviously, into comics, because the whole show is called Four Car Radio, and it's the connection between the music and the comics. Uh, and of course, you know, it's we know for sure the movie came first, the comics came second, but super, super closely connected together. So uh, let's roll out um, a little bit because um, as an organist, you generally don't play short songs. Um, no. They're pretty lengthy. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a lot of... <clears throat> a lot of long notes. <laughs> a lot of stuff. So, yeah. um, so we're going to play uh, an excerpt, but a sizable excerpt of, uh, of John Rose's uh, a Hartford parp pipe organ version of the theme from Star Wars.
And that is John Rose, the organist, uh, and his interpretation of Star Wars music uh, from the 1977 release of Star Wars. Um, <clears throat> and that comes compliments to us of my guest Shane Turgeon. I'm sorry. Who, when I said, like, Shane, you want to come on the show and do some Star Wars? And he's like, of course. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's, that's, you know. But we had to do something different. We did, because it, otherwise it would just been too on the nose, too predictable right. uh, and fun. And everyone knows all the other stuff, and this is kind of introducing us to some news. Maybe someone listening to the show, either tonight or later, will go and seek out the Hartford Pipe Organ and uh, maybe do a little Inagata de Vida, maybe you know, crank out some Star Wars. Who knows? There's all kinds of things you can do with a pipe organ. You There... Yeah. Okay. So now is the time of the show where we usually get into the uh, the stats about the topic of the night, and we're going to do that before things get a little too carried away. Uh, we're talking, of course, today about Star Wars, and while we could uh, go through the chronology of all the films, we're going to kind of do a little just a bookend here thing for comparison. Uh, Star Wars: A New Hope was released May twenty fifth of nineteen seventy seven, and it had a budget of eleven million dollars. It had ended up grossing $775.8 million. Bucks. Over $500 million of it was within the first uh, three months. That's a lot of money. It, in 1977, that is an insane amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. And of course, obviously, it's continued accumulated gross from DVD, multiple DVD releases, uh, puts it way higher. Uh, the comparison to the book and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker was released uh, December 20th, 2019. So 42 years later, it had a budget of 275 million. So considerably more than the original. It had a gross of $1.078 billion. Um, so really only 400 million more, almost 400 million more than the original film, uh, closer to 300 million more. Um, and of course, if you adjust for inflation, a new hope, Still kicks its ass. Blows it out of the water. <laughs> uh, it was <clears throat> throughout the whole series. It's quite a roller coaster of uh, storytelling, corporate sales, casting drama, and toxic nerds. Um, it, it's really, really tough to nail down. And you talked earlier about the community within Star Wars, and I'm sure we could do a whole other show about the transition of that community from when you experienced it as a kid, a teenager, and young adult to what you experience today. But again, another show. Um, as we talked about with the music that was coming out right with the movie, um, Star Wars number one from Marvel Comics uh, drops literally within a month of the movie coming out in 1977. <clears throat> and the first six issues are an ad adaptation of the film. Um, so they are literally making this comic as the movie is being ready to be debuted. Um, so there's some close-knit work in there um, between Marvel Studios and Lucas. Um, the comic series, the original comic series, runs for 107 issues. Um, issue one fetches a pretty decent price these days. It can run you, it can get you 200 to $300 uh, if you've got one in kind of near mint condition. However, if you happen to have the $0.35 cent cover price variant, you're now going from two to three hundred dollars to several thousand dollars, even finding listings as high. The last one I could find recorded was about seventy three hundred dollars US. Was that raw or was that graded? That was raw. Raw. Yeah. Um, it, even it's going to go even, even higher. <laughs> um, Star Wars uh, leaves Marvel Comics after the end of that run and moves over to Dark Horse Comics in 1991. And Dark Horse kicks off. Uh, first, they do a little reprint, and then they lead in with the Dark Empire series, and people love it. It Great becomes uh, essential. And a lot of the 
Dark Horse stuff, all the series they build upon that becomes actual canon and part of the, it becomes this expanded universe um, that Lucasfilm gives its a seal of approval to. Um, the big release for Dark Horse was in 2013 when Brian Wood took over to write Star Wars proper um, with a new number one and Alex Ross is doing the covers. That book uh, released to about 40,000 copies, which is a monster crushing book for Dark Horse. Um, getting those kind of numbers is absolutely insane. However, Disney purchased Marvel in 2009 and then Disney bought Lucasfilm in 2012. So even as Dark Horse had released their new series, there was already kind of like, well, if Lucas owns Marvel, <laughs> there's going to be something happening. And yet, sure enough, uh, Marvel regains the licensing to Star Wars, the comic series. And in January 2015, Marvel releases their Star Wars number one. Uh, which releases with just over 100 different variant covers nice. and the estimated unit sales to retailers are just under 1 million copies and puts it as one of <clears throat> puts it as the highest selling comic book title since the mid 90s that's life field numbers it's life field numbers um <laughs> the biggest difference between that and this star wars number one is you could see everyone's feet um, so that was the, uh, <laughs> the art was a little bit better. Um, it was absolutely insane. Uh, and it kind of validated a lot of what people believed about the comics industry that you need certain logos on certain products for that to sell those kind of numbers. So even though dark horse who for 20 years have been publishing excellent star Wars comics and built the fan base, maintain the fan base, they come out with the star Wars number one does 40,000 copies, slap a Marvel logo on it. Now we're hitting a million. It's crazy. And th that difference is insane. That's it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Crazy. Um, and, and you know, I, I, I will admit I haven't read any of the new Marvel stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> I've heard that there's quite good stuff, but I loved a lot of the stuff that dark horse was doing. You know, they were putting out really interesting stories, taking it into really interesting directions. Mm -hmm. And it was what was keeping us alive. You know, that time between 85 and 91 is known as the dark times. Right. And coming out of the dark times was the heir to the empire novels by Timothy Zahn coinciding with dark empire from dark horse. And, and, you know, there still was, you know, there was no talk of movies. There was no talk of anything. You yeah. know, the special editions were still several years away and dark horse Build that gap and gave us those stories to like hold on to and, and stay reinvigorated with during that time. It was, yeah, it was such a weird pick. Cause and again, you mentioned like there was no movies, like there was literally like everyone at this point has long since kind of packed it in that it's like, we got our three, we know there's more stories, but we're not going to get any more. And we kind of don't. At that time, I, I kind of, you know, I, I really relate to Star Wars being punk rock at that time. Mm. Um, you know, most of the people that I knew who were into Star Wars were punks and, <laughs> and were people who were just like, or who remembered. Obviously, there was a few, you know, a, a, a bigger fan base holding on to it. But for the most part, it had passed on from public knowledge. Right. And it was only really being, you know, carried on by an underground. There was fanzines. And there was, you know, like these underground communities and networks, but it certainly wasn't mainstream. It's, I think it's hard for people to, to realize there was a period where Star Wars was almost dead. 
that's that's hard to imagine in this day and age being as ubiquitous as it is inundated right by everything <laughs> everywhere you go <laughs> including music which we're going to jump back into our last set of tracks for the night um we actually only had one track planned but you you, you snuck a you want a, a little you want people to get a little taste of the man they call boris midley uh midley mid no midney midney yes m-i-d-n-e-y boris midney um yeah, you wanted us to throw this in here. What what's about Boris's Boris's take on Star Wars that's got you all? So so just as to, to dial it back a little bit. Okay, I used to be you know really actively trying to collect all of this obscure vinyl, right? Um, and you know the the John Rose and the Great Hartford Pipe Organ is one that still eluded me. I have not <laughs> I have not got that one yet. But in the process of collecting that, I I found this Boris Midney record. And uh, I was like, today I was going through my vinyl because I was going to bring it with me tonight. I'm like, what is this one? And so I threw it up and I'm like, oh, oh, we need to play this. <laughs> because when we, you know, let's be fair, we've gotten a little weird tonight. Yes. And, absolutely. you know, this, I want to take it even weirder if we can. Um, not Moog weird. Just not Moog weird, just weird. weird. So, okay. so Boris was a Russian immigrant uh, defector mm-hmm. who came to America in the 60s and became a musician and discovered disco. Right. And, you know, we've, we've been there with this tonight. We've yes. already hit the disco theme. Yeah. Um, by 1980, disco was kind of on its way out. Yes. You know, even Miko Minardo, he did put out an, an Empire record. He also put out a Jedi record. But the Empire record is not disco. It's very, like, heavy guitar influenced. Okay. Um, Boris... Wow, Boris took his saxophone and a little disco and some electric <laughs> guitars and some all kinds of weird stuff to to put out this Empire Strikes Back themed record. Now we're, you know, I I, I don't want to subject us to this for too long. Oh, yeah, that's fair, but we'll we'll give very, it a very kind of you. We'll give it a few minutes <laughs> just to uh, to to really to take soak it all in. in 1980. And we've really done so much uh, New Hope. It's nice to kind of start putting in some Empire exactly and getting letting people. Uh, you know, get their nostalgia for Empire on as well. So right. uh, let's let's roll into here and see what uh, what Boris brings to the table. Boris Midley and his uh, cover of some of the Empire Strikes Back theme music. That doesn't sound right.
some empire jazz closing out tonight's episode of four color radio uh it was a medley of music from ron carter hubert uh, laws billy cobham uh and that was the last about six minutes or so about that we had three minutes of boris midney's empire tribute uh, in there and all this music all this unexpected atypical star wars music comes from uh, our Star Wars guest, uh, Mr. Shane Turgeon. And, uh, thanks. Thank you. I, I have to say thanks. I mean, I can't even fish, facetiously try to make fun of it. Like, that was cool. Like, that was, it was different. Uh, it was weird. It was fun. There's some stuff that was seriously fun, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> you know, and like, uh, again, I think people just think the music of Star Wars is just related to the soundtracks and the scores. Yeah. Um, you know, and John Williams has obviously done such an incredible, incredible job, um, in, in creating this, this symphony and this, this sonic bombardment of tracks, uh, throughout all nine of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, for there, sure. there are some incredible pieces of music, but there's some incredible pieces of music that exist outside of that. And that's what I wanted to bring <laughs> to the table tonight. You did. And, and, and closing with Empire Jazz, you know, like that is just such a chill, laid back, dope album that you know it it you don't even really connect it to star wars you're like oh these are familiar themes but it's just like this you know it's jazz it's just this it's, it's chill just jazz chill record, jazz. you know like <laughs> so good it's very good uh we're gonna before we close out and get you to plug a couple of things we do have a question in the chat room uh someone uh phil's comics wants to know what is your favorite piece of william's score from the original trilogy uh, without a question, it's the moment when Luke steps out of his house and watches the twin sun setting over the desert. The musical swell that comes up during that piece, yeah. it has brought me to tears at oh. certain moments of my life. And that's uh, just combined with the visuals is just such an incredible, It is, I think it is my favorite moment out of the entire Star Wars saga, oh, really? which is, is just that brief 
visual combined with the, with the sound is incredible. Awesome. That's, I'm going to have to pay closer attention on my next viewing for sure. Um, before we close out, uh, I know you got stuff to plug. You're a man who does many things, business owner, show promoter, all sorts of stuff. What's coming up? November 7th, we have the return of our famous Edmonton Collector Con, <laughs> the best toy and comic book show in Alberta that's just toys and comics and collectibles. It's not a big convention. There's no guests. There's no anything. It's just toys and comics. Seven yeah. bucks to get into November 7th at the Italian Cultural Center. Mm -hmm. uh, you can check us out at uh, facebook.com slash edtoyshow is where most of the action happens. Right. Um, but we do have our website, uh, edtoyshow.com. And well. people got to be double vaxxed. There's yes. no other ways. No other gotta, ways to get in. It's right. a double vaccinated show. Cool. And of course, masks are mandatory. Obviously. Good, good stuff. Good. And uh, your tattoo parlor, Shades of Grey, still bumping along? Still rolling along. Shades of Grey, we're on White Avenue. And yeah. uh, we've got uh, five really great artists there who work in all kinds of styles. People do like to do some Star Wars tattoos there from time to time. It's a nerdy thing. <laughs> Shocking. And uh, I also have two books on Star Wars tattoos. One is sold out, but volume two is not. And you can uh, find That's that the at Force the, in the Flesh. The Force in the Flesh. And theforceintheflesh.com is where you can find that. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you so much Thank for bringing you. everything that you brought tonight. It was, uh, we had way more fun laughing at the Moog than we probably should have. We did. Um, but it was, it was good times. And, uh, and I'm, I'm super grateful that you can make the time to come out tonight yeah, I'm really with glad all the stuff you got going on. Yeah. I'm really glad to have been here, man. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah, we didn't even, Talk about your photography. No, I, and I've got some cool <laughs> stuff coming up with that, but I'm not going to talk about it just All now. right, okay. Uh, next week on the show, we have Edmonton's beloved voice acting icon, Mr. Mark Meir, who people might rec recommend, uh, recommend uh, remember as being Commander Shepard from the Mass Effect series, along with so many other things that he's done. Uh, he'll be joining us next week uh, to for a little pre Halloween warm-up stuff. We're going to be uh, reviewing the, the soundtrack from the 2007 film Trick or Treat, uh, which many people didn't know was actually based on a comic book uh, that was published by DC Comics. So we'll be going through that and uh, regaling you with tales and stuff. And I'm sure uh, Mark will have an endless supply of stories to, uh, to bring to the table. So uh, I am your host, Jay Bardella. Thank you so much for tuning in to Four Color Radio. Uh, please take care, and we will listen to you. Well, more accurately, you'll listen to me again, hopefully, next week. <laughs>